One of the most important parts of your worship services is your screen. Think about it. Everyone in your congregation looks to your screen for song lyrics, sermon notes, announcements, and scripture. It's a big deal. To keep your screens looking their very best, look no further than Church Motion Graphics. CMG has all of the eye-catching worship backgrounds, sermon and announcement slides, countdown videos, and more to bring your screens to life. Head over to churchmotiongraphics.com now to find your next great look. Welcome back to the Technology in Worship podcast, where we talk everything technology in worship. And by we, I mean myself, Eric Coleman, and my good buddy, Benji Satorius. Benji, welcome back to the round table Yes, here in the squishy room. That's no longer squishy. That's no longer squishy, but it'll always have that name held near and dear to our hearts. hearts. I've kind of had a big week. Mr. Michael W. Smith That's right. has entered the building and right. left the building. But I'm not quite ready to fully decompress that You're still, with you uh, yet. Still living on a high from that? Yeah. It was awesome. Nice. It was a lot of fun. Lots of people came out to Harvest New Beginnings. And a long day. Last week ago, and it was a very long day. Yeah. So take some rest on that. I will. But for our listeners... Benji and I have already had discussions that we do want to fill you in on what it's like to host outside groups. So that'll be coming in a future episode. But today we're going to talk everything as far as it pertains to live video in our worship services. Capturing your service by video. Specifically when it comes to live stream or even iMag. Yep. Which we know we've, a lot of these topics are going to kind of cross over and start to blend at this point because they kind of work themselves into other areas in some form or sure. another. All right, we'll go through our setups and all of that stuff. But just to, at this point, we've just got to remind ourselves and our listeners, like, why do we use live, like, why video? Well, because... Video is uh, pretty popular nowadays. It is kind of popular. I mean, obviously COVID brought that up a little bit higher. It's always been, I shouldn't say always, but it it was a big deal prior to COVID. Everyone posts on YouTube and there's videos and you got smartphones that make pretty good videos and all that stuff. But then COVID hit and shut the world down and basically... All we had were videos. That's how you did Zoom meetings for work and churches. That's the only way we could, that's the only technology we could use to connect with our congregation. And it hasn't really slowed down. Even though COVID's kind of on the back burner, I would say, video is still super important. And I would say probably most people, even pre COVID, if they were wanting to check your church out, they would look on the website. But a lot of people, from what we heard, is they checked our live stream out first before coming to our live in-person services. Yeah, gone are the days of people actually church shopping in person right? and more so clicking on various live streams for yep. churches. Especially if people are moving to your area from kind of far away. If church is important to them, 
they might want to check out churches before they actually move and arrive in that area. And obviously the internet gives us that ability. And then with video gives them the ability to actually see visually how that church operates and how their services are and their teaching and worship and all that stuff. Yeah. And and the more engaging that the live stream video is, the more likely, in my opinion, the more likely I would be to probably attend that church. Sure. Yep. Yep. If if it made me feel a part of it, even though I was not physically there, the more likely I'm going to be attending that church. So with video, there are a lot, just like audio, there are a lot of different components and parts that kind of make it up. And then there's also the artistic side of it in how we frame our video shots. Let's talk gear, but let's do what we kind of usually do in our podcast, which is kind of talk about what we used to have the gear that we used to operate with and what we use now and kind of that transition of how did we start from maybe nothing or a single camera or two cameras to five, six, seven cameras, however many people have um, and just kind of that transition. And then we can go with, go into framing and things like that. So for us at Harvest video, we were using it in our old worship center, uh-huh. except we were not live streaming Got it. To, to the internet. Yep. We were actually live broadcasting from our worship center up into the fellowship hall. For like an overflow? For an overflow. Got it. Before the newest worship center edition was yep. built on. That was already hugely important to have in place because there was large attendance happening at the time and we physically couldn't do any more services really without going crazy (laughs) and (laughs) we couldn't fit any more people in the room right also without going crazy right so So, was that a single camera it was two ptz cameras that could be switched yep so like the controller was the switcher also yes got it and that was actually controlled from the upstairs room. Oh, so where the okay. live feed was being watched yep. is where the switching and operation Got of the it. camera was happening. So that was kind of the first iteration of a live stream-esque sure. live broadcast yep. happening within our building. And then we did move into the worship center. And as you know, we have some massive screens in that you room. Do. And it's a pretty deep room as well to get from the front of the room to the back of the room yep we did know that there'd probably be a need to do some imag image magnification imag yep so that we could see our pastor's facial expressions because those can communicate the message very clearly yep. as well and if you're in the back row it would be hard to see it's some a of little those. bit more difficult yep. to see so we did start implementing the iMag right away uh, once we got our PTZ cameras installed in that room. And then once the PTZ cameras were installed and we were off and running doing iMag in the room. At that time, you were only doing iMag for just the sermon, correct? Yes, correct. Yep. Only the sermon was being iMagged. And at this point, we're still not even live streaming. So then once we kind of dialed all of that in, we started to live stream the whole 
weekend service. How long ago approximately do you think that was? That was probably seven years ago. Got it. I mean, it was very soon after entering the building, but not right away. And why did you guys start live streaming or who made that initial call? I mean, I wasn't necessarily directly influential in that decision. I would have been totally on board with it and I was on board with it and I would have pushed it to happen. Yeah. But we live stream so that those who aren't able to attend our services in person have a way of attending our service and still being connected with our church family. We do have several shut-ins or the people take vacation from our area. They still want to be connected as they travel. And obviously, even now more so than ever, people from West Virginia who have heard of us now from our live stream are watching and regularly watching, even though they do not physically live within 20 miles of our church. So then after we got our live stream rolling with the three PTZ cameras, we would live stream the entire service, but only iMag at the sermon. sermon. So that was on a 1ME switcher. All of this was taking place on a ATEM 1ME, 10 inputs. Basically, we would have a separate switcher. Our video switcher fed into another switcher where we could tell the projectors what to go on screen, whether that was just directly the ProPresenter computer output or the video switcher. So at the sermon, for music, we'd be on ProPresenter output, and sermon, we would switch it to the ATEM output. So then we also had to split the signal (laughs) of the ProPresenter feed so that it was going both to the ATEM and to that switcher directly so it would go right to the screens. That all sounds easy. It was not easy. (laughs) (laughs) We've come a long way. (laughs) I'll just say that. Because I remember we, for the sermon, when we were doing that iMag and then continued with the live stream, we were running green screen. Right, for like your lower thirds. For our lower thirds. So we always had to like have this coordination thing going on between the switcher and the person running the pro presenter because especially when there's a full screen graphic we had to take off the key load the graphic in and then pop it on that no longer happens and it's (laughs) it's incredible i'm so thankful that i watched several videos about (laughs) how to use an alpha key well pro 7 has made it a little easier yeah they've made it quite a bit easier let's be honest yeah and that came at yeah just the right timing so then covid hit right is that about where you're at in the timeline yeah we did that for several years that same workflow covid hits and then we are fully pre-producing our video but when we were allowed back into our building with congregants we knew our online presence had grown and so we knew we had to do something different so we started off during pre-production we had bought a canon xa 11 so we came back into the building and we used that as our manned camera running imag on everything once we returned to the building and that included yeah everything start to finish so and worship do you know why that decision was made we were kind of limited still at the time in our setup got it based on equipment because we had to 
basically do whatever we were showing on the screens had to go online to the stream right got it that happened and then we've continued to do that thus far even though now we could put separate content on either location and then what happened it was people became more aware of the need of video so we presented a video package to our leadership team and they went for it and we were able to get several yeah it's quite a few several cameras yeah Yeah. we have two of the black magic ursa broadcast cameras with the b4 lenses on them and then we have two black magic 4k studio cameras one black magic micro studio which was donated to us which is pretty cool and at that same time we brought in a whole new switcher panel a 2me switcher so now we can do separate online content from our in-room screens we don't but we could so yeah all of that kind of came in as the leadership more and more saw the need for an upgraded system and that's uh what you're rocking now is that that's what basically that wa- setup? Yeah, we're rock, rocking all that so right now. So what cameras, do you have cameras on stage or that all those cameras oh, thank you for on reminding the back me. of the room or what? No, I'm, I'm sorry. I overlooked the fact that when we came back to the room, we did purchase three Marshall cameras, Good the little, Marshalls. the little guys. Yep. So those were on our stage capturing things like the drums, the keyboard, electric guitar and they're kind of more static shots but we were able to move our main camera from leader to leader and then in between that we've always kind of had a wide shot as well so like capture the whole stage or as much of the stage as we can and then the main shot pointed at whoever's leading or speaking at the time so in total how many cameras do you have uh on your switcher that you're switching between well, even since that, we added now our mobile camera, which can be added in there. Are you current? Are you using that now, or was that just kind of an Easter thing? It was an Easter thing that we're going to implement Eventually. more monthly based right now, and then from there move it into. So, a if weekly. you don't count that, how many cameras would you have? Two main shots, one ultra wide shot, one semi wide shot, two on stage. Six. Six. And then the possibility of the seventh, the seventh being the roaming. Yep. For us, we're actually kind of similar. It's kind of funny. Funny. Yeah, funny. Um, so prior to our current building, we were in what is now called the venue. And we had, I think it was two PTZ cameras. That That room is like your old traditional, like, chapel type building so or room so pretty narrow long lower triangular ceilings yeah it's the the vaulted ceiling but low ceilings and not a huge stage so we didn't really need a lot of cameras and we're also talking 15 years ago or a little bit longer uh but we had some sony i think it was like bc 300 cameras or something like that that we were just using for recording that was kind of our first go around as far as getting cameras and recording the service for archive use. When we moved to the current building that we're in now, so our worship center, that we kind of had the same camera setup, but more cameras because it's a 
bigger wider room. room and a bigger room. So we went to three PTZ cameras, Vadio something other. And then shortly after that, we started live streaming. I don't know the exact timeline. I'd say it was probably eight to 10 years ago. So we've been live streaming like for a really long time. And then uh, we ended up picking up a Sony camera with an SDI out and just basically started using that as like a man camera along with the PTZ cameras. Then we realized, oh, this camera looks way better than the PTZs. Yeah, I didn't realize how much better they look than and the cost PTZs. a whole lot less than the PTZs. So then we're like, maybe we should stop using the PTZs and get some more man cameras that are quite a bit cheaper and look way better. That's when we started buying more cameras. So this is all still pre-COVID. I would say probably five-ish years ago. So we got that Sony camera. Then I started picking up, got a couple of Marshalls for the on stage. And actually, let me go back a little bit. So seven-ish years ago, we did a a big video upgrade. We got brand new video switcher, one of the Blackmagic 2ME with a big video router, the 40 by 40 router, replaced all the wiring in the building. That's kind of started when we started upgrading our cameras at that point, because now we're all on SDI lines and could do like the little Marshall cameras up on stage. We're starting to do video switching and all that stuff. Then we picked up a Pocket Cinema 4K, which is a fantastic camera for not a lot of money. And that kind of started being our main shot. And then we're like, wow, this this looks better than the Sony camera that that we thought was amazing. And then COVID hit. And then we picked up some Pocket Cinema 6K Pros. So we have two two of those, one 4K. The Sony ended up getting sent off to our Morse campus. So they have that over there. So we basically rock one 4K Pocket Cinema, two 6K Pros, and then two Marshalls that are on stage. And you still rock one PTZ. Well, technically, two are still hooked up. Two are still hooked up. Two are still hooked up that I basically, if I'm on the switcher, I just have it zoomed all the way out so I can see if something's happening on stage that a camera's not picking up. Like a security camera. Right. We tried to not really use the camera. Obviously, there's cases where something is happening and it's just we just don't have a shot. Our ops will sometimes go to that. But for the most part, we try not to use those because they just don't look good, especially compared to the black. They are magics. significantly lower quality than and the yet, black. They're magic. all running 1080p. Yep. But it doesn't matter. There's 1080p just, does not mean high quality every right. time. You can have a low quality 1080p or a nice quality 1080p. And then actually there are actual camera setup is so we have someone that runs the 4K and then someone that runs one of the 6K pros. And then we've got a 6K Pro. Don't do it. Don't do it. (laughs) I'm doing it. We have a 6K Pro on a Ronin R2S gimbal with the active track. And we just added the middle things controller system for that. So we can now 
control the camera with a companion on a stream deck. And sometimes it's kind of finicky, but sometimes the joystick on the broadcast panel works. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. I'm still working all those bugs out, but... That's really new for you, like within the last like two, five like, weeks, well, four weeks? It was just before Easter, like, yeah, probably three, four weeks ago. So still working those bugs out. I want to eventually do like a joystick. That's how Middle Things markets their controller system is using a USB joystick to control the camera, which I'll probably eventually get. It seems to be much more reliable. We kind of have a robotic camera, which works really good, and then two man cameras. And then the two, uh, the two cameras on stage are just stationary, one at keys and one at drums. We're able to capture basically everything pretty well. So that, that. kind of hits on the, the gear side of things, what we're using. Let's talk about um, resolutions and frame rates and all that stuff of what we're doing for our live stream. What are you running for your live stream? What's your internet connection like? And all, and what company do you use for live streaming? And give us the rundown of that. So for live streaming, we take the program feed out of the video switcher into a SDI to HDMI converter into the BoxCast encoder. So that's like a little tiny encoder box that converts the video feed straight to a digital network and we can embed our live stream get it to facebook get it to youtube really whatever destination we send it to one place and they split it off from there so the heavy lifting isn't on any one of our computer machines which is great and we can really like i said send it anywhere we would want for our cameras Every, as you know, everything on the video switcher, specifically in the ATEM world, has to match frame rate and resolution for it to see everything. That could be changing as new technologies develop, but for now, everything has to match. We run everything at 1080p 5994 for our frame rate. If you try and run a camera at 1080p 60 frames, it won't be seen on the ATEM, as you learned <laughs> in the episode when I talked yes. about Easter stuff with our mobile video camera. That's exactly what was happening. It was spitting out the wrong frame rate. So while 1080p is the resolution, I could pick up a GoPro camera and get that at 1080p. And GoPros do look pretty good now, mm -hmm. especially. There were 1080p cameras made eight years ago that are still being advertised as 1080p now even that just aren't very good quality. So you do still have to be very careful in falling for that. Right. Like the, like advertisement. You go, you go to Amazon and you buy the 1080p or even 4k advertised camera for $150 and you think you're getting a steal when you're comparing it to a 4k pocket cinema at $1,300, you're like, oh man, totally saving money. I'm going to get the same image quality. No, nope. you're not. It's not the same. No. The lens, the light sensor, the cropping, all of that goes into account with those cameras. And there is a reason why that Blackmagic is $1,300 and not $130. 
and it may not have the feature to even change the frame rate so that right. you can put it onto your video switcher. So you have to make sure that all of that stuff lines up and is in in sync with each other, specifically when it comes to the frame rate. And then, yeah, as, as you add an audio, you also have to make sure that you delay the audio so it's in sync with your video. What's your internet speed at Harvest? Internet speed is about 200 up and 200 down. Okay. That's pretty good. Give or take here and there. And you're str- so you're streaming in 1080p. 1080p stream. It's very difficult to stream out in like 4K as of this recording. There aren't too many services that offer that. 720 was really common before COVID. Well, even even like, Facebook was spitting out yeah. 720 in the end. There's still TV broadcast that only is broadcast in, in 720. 720 is still good. And it requires a whole lot less bandwidth from your internet uh, compared to 1080. So let's just talk a little bit about, we've been spitting out these numbers. Yes. I just want to make sure people know that, yes, in general, the quality goes up as the number goes up. We've talked about 720. That is a format that we've been familiar with for several years now as yep. consumers. Even 1080 is 1080 pretty, is pretty, pretty familiar. Common. Yep. Now 4K, you can go to the store and buy 4K TVs for $300. And now we're starting to see 6K, 8K, 12K stuff coming out. So yes, as the number increases, that's generally saying the quality is increasing as well. It's more taxing and more demands on your equipment after the fact. So if you're recording, the higher the resolution, obviously the more file storage it's going to require. If you're streaming, the higher the number, the more taxing it is on your internet or your computer if you're running your stream through a computer. So all of that stuff takes into account when you're streaming or recording. The higher the resolution, the better the picture, but the more taxing and demands your equipment's going to need. We also run at 1080p, also at 59.94. However, our Blackmagic cameras... We do the off-speed, I can't remember the exact name of it now. I'm drawing a blank. But like off-speed frame rate conversion, we convert ours to 30 frames per second. So it gives it that little bit more cinematic look versus the 59.94. Where is that conversion taking place? In the camera? On the camera itself. Interesting. You did not know about that, did you? I didn't know that. Wouldn't it be great if you could just snap your fingers and immediately you'd get people more involved at your church? Picture it. People would press in during worship. They'd be fully focused during your sermons, and they would be excited to hear announcements. This is the wish of many churches because we all know the struggles of getting the attention of our community. That's where our friends at Church Motion Graphics can help. CMG equips churches with a large library of eye-catching graphics for worship, sermons, announcements, and more that will help you get attention and move your community forward in their faith. With just a few clicks, your church can start looking great, reaching more people and getting more involvement than ever. Head over to churchmotiongraphics.com today. So going back to what you were saying earlier with being the Blackmagic A10, everything has to line up or match in order for the switcher to see it. When we did that whole video upgrade seven years ago, We had a lot of different brands and a lot of different equipment. So I had to go through 
every owner's manual of every camera, all the computers, and write down all the resolutions and the frame rates that all of those things could output and find a common denominator. Yes, which it, it took a while. At that time, we were actually running, the common one was 50. Which is more of a European standard. Correct. But that was the most, that was the only, I think that was the only resolution that I could find with yeah. what we had that worked. And it worked. I, we had, there was no issues. You couldn't really tell on the projectors and live stream and all that stuff. But then we started upgrading the cameras and getting nicer equipment. And I was trying to go for that cinematic look, which typically is like 24 to 29 frames per second, somewhere in that range. I started to find, okay, let's do this whole process again and find another number for my frame rate that's lower than 50 that I could do. And I started to run, I believe, at 25 was my next common one. I didn't have a 30 or 29.97 or anything like that. I believe 25 was the next one. And I rocked that for like one weekend. And it just did not look very good. It looked good for the worship, but the preaching, it just it almost looked fake because you do have more motion, motion blur. blur. So the lower the number, the more motion blur you'll have. And our lead pastor likes to move quite a bit. He doesn't really stand in one spot. So as he moved across the stage, it almost looked more fake than it did real. And so I went right back to 50. And then we got new projectors, got rid of some older cameras, got the new the 6K Pros, switched everything to 5994, which is great. It's a good, decent frame rate. Looks great. But again, I was still looking for that more motion blur cinematic look. So doing more research on the black magic cameras, I could do this off frame rate conversion thing that's built into the cameras, switch those to 30, and they still look good for the preaching and looks good for the worship as well and not technically using the 5994. The marshals are still at 5994. Obviously, one is at the keys. And it's basically all you can see is the keys. So there's not a lot of motion there. I mean, you see a little bit of fingers like pushing the keys, but you don't see a lot of motion. So you can't really tell that you're switching from 30 to 59.94. The drummer, you can kind of tell, but we don't light the drummer up very bright. So again, you can't really see a lot of the motion. If we had more light on the drummer, you would probably totally tell. So I probably would have to convert that one as well. But that would be a different camera. But That's we don't something I did not know. Yeah. It's pretty cool. I'll have to see if the broadcast cameras have that built into them or not. Yeah, I don't know. Probably not. That's what we do for our frame rate, live streaming resolution. Oh, our internet speed is nice. Oh, it's about as fast as yours, I think. I think ours is at two fifty upload. Which for live streaming you want a faster upload. Who cares what the download speed is? For live streaming, live streaming you want a fast upload because you're sending data out of the building, not into the building. We also use BoxCast and with the encoder as well. I don't know. I don't know if BoxCast is listening to the stream, but I feel like their audio... Compression? Compression is... Extreme? Extreme. I do too. Like 
We have a whole broadcast suite. We run compressors and limiters. I've got meters on my outputs. I'm hitting everything that I need to be hitting. And yet I can't get the volume out on BoxCast. Yep. If I go straight to YouTube or straight to Facebook or anywhere else, my stream is way louder. But going through BoxCast, it's not as loud. And I can't, I literally can't go up anymore. Like, cause they have this newer feature that they released. I think it was right in the middle of COVID maybe where you can change the audio level on the encoder itself. In the, within I still the, haven't found that feature. It's in the settings, bro. <laughs> and you can up that, but if you up it too much, it just turns into distortion. I literally go up one notch and I go distortion. to distortion. So like it can't handle any more loudness or it starts to distort. So I know that they did ask for user feedback in some email, and that's what I suggested was more yeah. flexibility with the compression levels. Or maybe and, like no compression. Yeah, whatever. Let they, me let me do the compression on my. They said that that has been a common. Got it. I did not know that feedback item. Glad that I'm not going crazy. You're then. not the only one. So either um, they should probably fix that relatively quickly, like this Tomorrow. E- like, like this year, or I'll probably be switching to probably Resi or something. I'm not sure, but so that's what we do here at Mission. Our well, our main campus, our portable campus, like I said earlier, we just ha- we took that Sony camera. We go SDI out into a deck link for ProPresenter, and we live stream straight through ProPresenter directly to YouTube. And then we use the church online platform that grabs and embeds or the embedded link from YouTube. And that's how they can view that. And the audio is way louder than it is here at Mission Main Campus. Because you're going straight to YouTube. Because I'm not using BoxCast. Yeah. So, um, And that's uh, right out of ProPresenter. Correct. So it's just a single camera, wide shot of the stage, super simple, gets a good mix off of our board that goes into the camera, and then SDI out of the camera so there's no adapter or anything like that. So SDI out of the camera straight to the deck link duo as an input. And then I've got this little cool automator automation file that I created that hits, it takes my mouse and goes and hits live stream live and hits go live automatically five minutes before the service starts. So like you physically see the mouse move and boop, boop, boom. And it has not failed us in the five, five months we've been doing it. And, um, yeah, and then just goes right to YouTube. And then some people watch on YouTube. We don't really advertise for YouTube. We advertise our missionbible.tv web address. And then from there, they can pick which campus they want to watch. And then you get the church online platform. But yeah, so we've been rocking that platform since COVID for our main campus. And we go to YouTube. We go to Facebook. We obviously do BoxCast, so you can watch it directly on BoxCast. Or you can go to our .tv web address and get the church online platform. That's typically what we advertise. If you want to see our site or live stream, go to the .tv because we won't mute the stream like Facebook and YouTube do. So, and then you get the online chat. We have chat hosts and all that stuff. You can ask for prayer, and it's a great free resource. And then since going live 
for a portable campus, we do the same thing, but obviously it's directly from Pro 7 to YouTube, and then Church Online Platform grabs that embedded link to so they can view it on the Church Online Platform as well. And we also do rebroadcasting from our main campus. Throughout the week, you can yeah, watch. Yeah, so like every hour and a half, it replays a, a whole service, typically our second service from Sunday that just basically grabs the YouTube link and I paste that in and I don't play like seven or eight times every single day. So if you're not able to attend church until Wednesday at 10 PM, you can watch jump it on then. and watch it. So yeah, it's pretty cool and it's free behind all of this gear. There's a lot of people happening, oh, uh, yeah. making all this happen. So there's, you and I, in our perspective roles, getting all of this equipment set up, tied together, accounts created on BoxCast. So many accounts. All the accounts, everything that's happening on the back end. And then we are training and developing volunteers to come in and operate the manned cameras because as you i know benji are fully aware we cannot be everywhere at once no we have two hands and one brain ten fingers and it's very difficult to run the soundboard click the slide change the camera angle on the video switcher and do that while following on a manned camera so it's one true. person cannot do this. It takes an army. Well, how do you go about training your volunteers when it comes to operating a camera in your worship service? I have found that kids, as in junior hires and high schoolers, are amazing camera operators. Oh, yes, they are. As long as they're not glued to their phones, they are amazing camera operators. I would say, except for maybe two of my operators, all the other ones are kids, mostly junior high, some high school, um, and they are great at it. They pick up that technology way faster, way easier. Camera operators, where our operators are, are in low lit areas so they have better eyes to be able to touch you know control the cameras and know where the buttons are and all that stuff first and foremost that and then as far as training typically just like most of my other training except for sound is they watch somebody run the equipment and then typically for that they'll operate the equipment Somebody will watch that is trained, will watch them. And then typically after that, they've got it. And we have a video switcher person that has seen what they're doing. So they can say, hey, your camera needs zoomed in or zoomed out or refocused or whatever it might be. So they're not totally like on, on their, their own. own. So there's also that aspect as well. And then I'm also in the process, which I've kind of put on the back burner a little bit but it'll probably be coming back relatively soon. But I'm creating a digital training document where they can scan a QR code. It loads up a website and it will be tutorial videos that I have made for our equipment that shows this is where the on off button is. This is how you focus. This is how you zoom. This is how you 
balance the camera on the tripod. This is how you frame a subject and all that type of stuff. So I'm in the process of figuring all doing that. all that. Uh, up until this point, I find a cool video that kind of does all that stuff on YouTube. And I'll send that on our Slack channel for our video team and say, hey, check out this three-minute video or 30-minute video, whatever it might be. So they'll watch that. And then I say, hey, tell me one or two things that you learned from the video so that I know if they watched it or not. When you really think about it, like, it is pretty technical. Like, you got to have an eye for it. But the training part of it, in my opinion, is pretty simple. Like, they're not changing the color temperature and things like that. They'll change the brightness or the iris of the camera, the focus and the zoom, and that's it. Right? Obviously, framing and that those and getting good shots but they're not going in and changing the settings of the camera so they don't need to know all of those details yeah i think most of the training that we end up doing is teaching the framing aspect right. of things like yep. is this a good shot framing and focus to me is the most important framing and focus yeah put that on a pillow <laughs> yeah if you're listening and you want to make us a pillow framing and focus so your training is pretty much the same, I'm assuming. It is very, yeah, yeah very similar. It's, it's not rocket science. Yeah. And as long as, I think, honestly, part of the training that I need to focus on more is, like, how to use a tripod. Like, hmm. because it's always there, so it's just set up and they're not messing with it week to week. That you know of. That I know of. <laughs> I mean, I don't see them messing with it. So it's kind of one of those things where I think they're more afraid of the tripod than they are the camera. So it's like, it's okay to like kind of make some adjustments to make this like the fluid head drag or, or less not drag, drag. Yep. that kind of thing. Yeah, because you want that movement to be as smooth as natural. Or if the camera is going to fall off the tripod, right. it's like, Hopefully you should know probably how to save this and balance it. That also reminds me that, so our team has a checklist that they have to do before our rehearsal starts and then they have like a post checklist when we're done so for the video team they come in they take a picture of a qr code brings up a website and they go in they select who they are which campus they're at they select is this a pre-service or a post-service checklist they select pre-service and for video it basically makes them make sure that all the settings are correct. So is the white balance set is the up. white balance the correct number? Is the camera balanced on the tripod? All those different things. So they have to check it and then they hit submit when they're all done. And then when the service is over, they have a post checklist of make sure it's off and locked and all that type of stuff. So that also helps make sure like the settings are correct because some of those cameras we actually use during the week for shooting videos and stuff like that. So, and we change those settings based on what we're shooting. So sometimes when the camera gets put back, it's not always the exact same settings. It just helps the camera operators one, learn those settings. So they know what they are and then also make sure that it is correct. So everything is outputting correctly. So that's been a game changer. I'm going to steal that one from you. You can steal that one. I'll charge you later. Okay. Every volunteer position, whether you're a camera one, camera four, 
sound doesn't matter. They all have a checklist, and obviously it's all different based on what, what position. position. Yep, it's a pretty extensive uh, checklist, but it was fun to make, and it's pretty easy to update. Like you know, as we it's all on the change, and- yeah, if we change a setting or something, all I have to do is go to that form, change that one setting, and done. So, pretty cool. Do you have a checklist for your team? I don't. Yeah, you should. I don't. That's why I'm saying I'm stealing that from you. Yeah. Like, yeah. I want your file. <laughs> <laughs> I'll charge you later for it. Take me out to lunch. Um, I mean, they know in general. Yeah. Turn it on, turn it off. And really, that I mean, kind of stuff. most of my team also knows that and aware and is aware of all those settings and same thing with without the checklist without the checklist it's just a formal i've got i've got people that have been on my team longer than i've been on staff you know over seven years they've been serving and i've got people that are have been serving for three weeks and everyone or everywhere in between so obviously the guys that have been on for seven eight nine years are like they already know it but they still do it because they know like this is what we're supposed to do. So and it's also good that they example. accommodate to that. And they're setting an example, especially when they're training new people and things like that. Some of the stuff is like, yeah, I already know that's done. Like check, check, check. Where others like, oh yeah, I got to do that. So it's, all, it's also a little reminder like, oh, I forgot to do that or whatever. And I would say since we've been doing the checklist, because now obviously I'm not always at this campus. Sometimes I'm, I'm in Morse. Sometimes I'm in Manuka. So I would say since the checklist overall, we've had less issues like during a service or start of a, a rehearsal. And when you do have an issue, you can go back to that form, the right. Excel that it's creating yep. and see, okay, oh, you know what? That setting wasn't right. Or right thing you might catch a potential issue before. with the checklist and hopefully it gets resolved before the service and before rehearsal. So you're not having an issue during rehearsal when there's people waiting on you or during a service when the whole church turns around and looks at the sound booth when there's an issue. Yeah, so hopefully you catch issues before they happen and get them resolved. Or they call me and then I can do it remotely. Funny they, you mentioned the know, turning the, around thing. That's the exact picture I was thinking of when I said that. <laughs> this was just sent to me from our pastor today. Nice. The birds that turn around. This is what happens when... There's a tech issue. Everyone turns around and looks at the booth. Yeah. It's so true. The glaring eyes. Usually I duck. So then they look back. And I just like, turn There's around no one too. Back there. I just turn sometimes, around and look at the Sometimes I wall. do that too. It's like, what are you guys looking at? <laughs> is, there, is there something back there that I don't see? I don't, I don't know what they're looking <laughs> wow, at. Wow, this is cool. This was The lights were supposed to stop working. What are you talking about? The video was supposed to cut off in the middle of it. It's not our fault. I didn't shake the iPad while I was running down Just, the corridor <laughs> to clear the screen. That didn't happen. Hey, that reminds me. So if anyone from uh, Renewed Vision happens to be listening, I've got, I've got just a little tidbit for you. Could you please change the default setting on your ProPresenter app that when you shake the device, it doesn't clear all? I speak from experience as in like this past weekend. I was setting up a brand new iPad. We had a, our junior high pastor was preaching. He couldn't find the other iPad. So I'm like, hey, I got a backup just in case you can't find it. And so I set it up and I'm, 
outside running it, running, you know, mm-hmm. walking fast, and I happen to shake the iPad, and it clears the video that was playing. Fun stuff. Which I did not know because I was outside the building running to the and green you can't room. can't see the screens. I, yeah, I was, I was literally outside, so I don't know what was happening. But just FYI, if you're setting up a new device for the ProPresenter app remote, make sure you go to the settings and change the shake, change it to disabled or something other than clear all. All right, I'm done with that. So box that now. Rant, yeah. Thanks. Video is a pretty endless pit of information. There's a lot going on in there. And it's expensive. And it's expensive. It's so expensive. If this conversation was going to be done in five minutes, what would be like the one thing that you're like, this is pretty important when it comes to video? I think the most important thing is lighting. It's true. (laughs) I know you said video, but video is very important. I mean, lighting is very important with video or you can't see. You can't see, yeah. and And, Or it's a very dark, grainy video footage. I mean, you can spend a lot of money on cameras, like a lot of money, and they're not good in low light. And I'm talking like thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on a camera that's not good in low light. It's going to look bad. And it's going to look bad because it's not good in low light. Where you can spend less money on a camera, invest more in lighting, and possibly get a better Better result. Lighting is very important. We talked about lighting in our previous episode and what we use and the importance of front lighting and key lighting and backlighting and all these different types of lighting. But it is super, super important for video. And then I would piggyback off of that. Lighting's important, but a combination of what makes video effective is having good lighting and good audio. Yeah. Because if the audio's bad, people don't generally stick around. We we say this pretty frequently. We have You said can this. have great looking video, but if the audio is terrible, people just jump ship. Yep. But you can get away a little bit more so with a lower quality video image but as long as people can hear the message clearly or hear the songs clearly they generally will stick around and be a little bit more friendly totally agree because i mean if you have let's just say you're um you're watching a video on your cell phone driving down the road which you should not be doing so i mean you're a passenger in a car riding down the road watching a video on your phone and you have very low signal the video typically will auto downgrade to like a more pixelated video and chances are you're still going to watch it because you can still hear it the audio the audio quality does change but not drastically like you can still bit rate yeah lowers but you can still understand and hear the video but the quality might not be up to par because they've downgraded it so it will still play and not buffer but if all you hear is like static and distortion and it's not mixed very well or whatever it might be, and it's just poor audio, I'm not going to sit there and watch it. Like I'm going to go find something else to watch that I can hear and see fairly well, but definitely be able to hear it. So it's kind of weird. 
and also it makes complete sense that <laughs> audio, video, and lighting, like they, they all just, go together. They all go together pretty much. It's hard to have one and not the other, depending on what you're like. In when your it context. comes to video, you can't have one without the other at all. Yeah, I mean, all three go together really well. So you can do video. You can do audio on its own, and it's just yes. audio. You can do lights on its own. You can do lights on its own, and you can see. But when you bring those together, create video. What is one area of improvement you would like to see? in your live stream video specifically i would say and this is this is just in my opinion really hard to teach but matching the energy that's happening on stage with the camera with the camera operator movement stuff i agree i don't want it to be distracting and it can be distracting if you don't have a good operator and a good camera and a good tripod. But just, you know, if, if the band and worship team has a lot of energy and the camera is just static. a static shot on a person or a wide shot, you're not really necessarily matching that energy to pick all that up with the camera. So I would love to see that um, improved. But again, I feel like it's super hard to train that. You, I agree. You can, you can have the eye. You can make sure you're, you know, you're, if you can know if your camera's out of focus or in focus, you can have good framing. But that doesn't mean you're going to have good movement or be able to capture energy with your movements. See what I'm saying? I see what you're saying. And that's an area of improvement I would like to see in our team as well. Yeah. It's not that we're not doing a great job either. It's like, it's just that like extra inch, Yep. the extra inch, that extra 1% of growth, the icing on the cake, icing on the cake. So I have a second question for you. Not every church is equipped with six, five, maybe even four cameras. What would be, the first step that you would make past a cell phone video for a live stream, like where would you go from there? I would kind of look at the whole package. Is the camera only used for live stream as in like Saturday and Sunday services, or is it going to be used throughout the week for filming as well? That's kind of how we started with, when we first bought the 4k, I was like, we want to up, up our game for videos during the week and also be able to use it for our live stream. So for me, that was a little easier to undertake a $1,800 purchase between the camera and the lens and the cage and the housing and all that stuff versus I'm only using this on the weekend. And then all the other five, six days a week, it just sits there. Like, I don't know, I could probably spend $1,800 on something else or a less quality camera. But if you're using it throughout the week as like a recording camera, you're also using it for live stream, I would highly recommend the 4K Pocket Cinema. I just think that is a very good universal camera 
that can be used in a lot of situations. There's a lot of lens options for whether you're close or far back in the room and all those types of things. Recording, it records in 4K. It looks really good. And it's, in all honesty, it's not that expensive. When you're looking at the price of the cameras, scheme of it all, yeah. you get a good color camera for less than $2,000. The camera itself, I think, is only twelve or $1,300. So you don't have to spend $500 on a lens. You can buy a le- least expensive or less expensive lens. I would kind of go the other direction, spend less on a camera and spend more on a lens because you can pick up more light with a better lens, smoother zoom, better focus. You have sometimes better depth of field with the aperture, all those types of settings. You can get better lens for a less expensive camera. Something I want to make sure we talk on before this episode ends is just, I guess, some housekeeping stuff. Housekeeping. As far as when it comes to video and getting that signal out into digital space. One of those things being the difference between SDI and HDMI cables. Mm. Just just some little things here. So it's SDI pretty, it's pretty important. is a cable with an interlocking BNC connector on it which means that it's not going to easily come unplugged. Mm-hmm. It's got a twist lock on it. Whereas HDMI, you can pretty easily yank those out of a device on accident. With HDMI, you also aren't able to make as long of camera runs or signal runs. Yep. I would say typically you don't want to go more than like 15 to 20 feet on an HDMI. Some cables you can do longer, but... You have to have like a booster. Yeah, I have found that 15 to 20, it's reliable. You don't have issues. You go much farther than that, you potentially could have issues. Both cables can transfer audio data back and forth on, on the cabling. And then as far as it goes for getting your stream onto the internet... We talked about how we're both BoxCast users and they send you an encoder box for when you want that to get off to the internet. But if you have a computer device around and you don't have access to BoxCast and you need to get your video feed from your camera to the internet, you'll need to bring that camera feed into a computer somehow which is what Benji is doing at the Morris location specifically to get it off to the internet for that. You're doing an SDI to a sauna enclosure box with the Decklink Duo Duo card. Yep. Yep. So you need some sort of video capture card often that comes in an HDMI version, but they do make SDI. Yeah. Like black magic has the, like I think it's called the mini, recorder i think and it's got sdi and hdmi options in one little box which will get you the signal on your computer as like a webcam feed right and you can take that to youtube or wherever you're gonna facebook wherever before boxcast we were using live stream 
and just using the computer for that. So we just came off of our switchers, like our main out of the switcher with an SDI line to a mini recorder, which was our capture card basically. And then that carried audio and video. And then we just had to hit go live on live stream and it went, but it's more taxing on the computer, but it works, but it works. So we use our video switcher for all the switching of cameras and computers to one output. So I'm going to bring up another sore subject for you, Benji. All right, here we go. I'm holding in my hands a little device called an iPhone. Yeah. And we've talked about this connector right here, how it is a lightning lightning connector. And we both wish it was USB-C at this time. Stupid Apple. One thing I would really like Apple to do (laughs) in the near future (laughs) is allow an incoming video signal. Because we do a lot of this live streaming from our devices and I just think it would be really neat. Because they do the video out. They do video out. So you can go do a, like a TV or something. But I wish I could tell my phone what camera to use for the video in. Mm. So I wish I could send essentially the switcher feed switcher or whatever. feed into my phone and hit go live. Yeah. That we, would be incredible. We've called a lot of companies out in, in today's podcast. I hope they listen to us. I hope they do too, but Boxcast. my hunch is none of them are. <laughs> Boxcast, ProPresenter, now Apple. Apple has been called out the most though. They just need to get their act together. That could revolutionize some live productions. That could. The only issue with that though is you now only have a Wi-Fi connection. Typically. You can get the dongles. So you'd have to get another dongle to get a hardwire Ethernet cable. But for like mobile shooting or, you know, you do baptism at the river, you could have a better camera than your phone and put that sucker in live stream from your phone. That'd be kind of cool. I know. Live st- the live stream app does, you, they have an app for their phone and you can live stream from their iPhone or from your iPhone to the live stream app to the app on a computer, right? Is that every time? No, about? it just goes right to their web site, and then that would go to Facebook or YouTube or whatever. But that's not a video input to the to yeah. The I phone. mean, same with Boxcast. There's right. an app on your phone. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It'd be really useful as if I could send a video feed in yeah. here and then open the Boxcast app and tell it where to get the feed from. Yeah. Game changer. Game changer. Because we were doing outdoor services coming out of COVID before we came back in the building. You were. And we weren't live streaming those. But you could have if that was we the case. We could have if that was an option. Because I'm not going to sit there and use my phone camera to do it. Obviously, you can get audio into the phone, no problem. But if there was an option to plug my a, a Pocket Cinema 4K into it and stream, that would have been pretty cool. I'm sure we'll have more discussions about video in the future, but we just wanted to spark the conversation, get your brains thinking a little bit on video. Yep. We, Hopefully this helped you out. We will come back next week with a podcast, and we will go ahead and dive into working with some outside artists and kind of hear both perspectives on that. 
make sure you follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Instagram to Tech- stay up to date. Technology with in worship. We'll be at Philo this week as yes. well. Cannot wait. It's going to be a fun time. So we hope to see you there. Yep. If you see us, congrats. I'm, I'm sure they know what we look like. We've posted pictures of ourselves. <laughs> so just look for us because we'll be there. Say hi. Say hi. On that, have a good day. And see you next see Monday. You next Monday. Bye.